Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I'm Nathan, the podcast host. Um, before you, we get to the episode, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and also if you follow us on Spotify. And I don't know why I'm saying us because it's just me. But yeah, if you can like the video and share it as well, that would be much appreciated. Um, the podcast is in paid partnership with The Flawed Journey, um, who's run by my girlfriend and her team are young. Uh, they're offering counseling sessions at an affordable rate and you won't be expected to wait on long waiting lists like most counseling sessions or therapy practices around the world do. Um, so yeah, if you look in the description, you'll get a code um, which you can use to get your first therapy session free. So now that that's out of the way, enjoy the episode. So today I'm joined by Dar Stewart. How are you? I'm very well. Great. Um, Dar, you're living in Guatemala now, is that correct? Yeah, I'm out here. The, yeah, the last few months. I yeah, I've been doing some training with um, cacao mushrooms, um, the Mayan culture. They used to use mushrooms uh, back when they were one of the most powerful civilizations in the world. Um, so yeah, trying to touch in with the lo- local sort of mind culture traditions and lots of fire ceremonies, doing lots of breath work, workshops, uh, yoga, and yeah, and then just, yeah, living life to the absolute max. <laughs> yeah, I know I could tell on your Instagram, it looks, it looks amazing. And I just want to uh, get it out of the way straight away, like kind of like an icebreaker. Your mustache is very impressive. Oh yeah, it's coming back now. I had I had it for over three years, and then I did a kind of reverse November uh, uh-huh. last November. I raised funds to actually shave it off, so it's starting wow. to yeah, starting to come back now in its fullness. <laughs> yeah, great. it's like uh, do you ever see the scene in parts of the Caribbean where Johnny Depp's trying yeah. to uh, impress Keira Knightley, and he goes like, "Ah, you've like kind of like yeah. flicked up like a hook." <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cap- I, I do get a captain hook look alike sometimes they have the long hair as well so uh, <laughs> def- definitely some sort of pirate look going on at the best of times <laughs> yeah man no it looks pretty it looks pretty sick i'm trying to grow out my beard as well at the moment but like it gets to do you know where it gets to that point where it's like you start getting like not dandruff but like kind of like really irritable skin and stuff like that and like people say to me oh just use oil and i'm like i do fucking use oil it's still it just <laughs> Yeah, it's maintenance. I think people don't realize, you know, if you have yeah. a big mustache or a big beard, uh, it's maintenance. Now, I, I can't really grow a beard, so I have to compensate with this beautiful fella here. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to grow a beard for you know, a good 10 years. But <laughs> I, just shave, <laughs> I just shave it off. It's too patchy, but the mustache makes up for it. Yeah, the mustache, it's, it's sick, man. I really like it. Um, if anyone's just listening, make sure you go over to YouTube and you uh, check out the mustache. <laughs> um, <laughs> So do you want to introduce yourself there just for uh, my listeners who don't know you? Um, yeah, so it's always a good question. How do you introduce myself? Because I feel like my life changes and what I'm about changes so rapidly a lot of the time. But um, yeah, so I'm originally from Dublin. It gives people a sense of uh, yeah, where I'm from. Um, I 
studied uh, natural science in college in university and then I went on to do my um, PhD in plant genetics and then I worked full-time as a postdoctoral researcher for a few years published uh, yeah published some papers so I went the full power like academic route and uh, really I'm a, I'm a scientist at heart I love I love science I'm curious I ask questions all the time I want to find like real tangible evidence of a lot of stuff so I feel being in a kind of space where I'm really interested in spirituality and philosophy I kind of look for stuff that's a lot more grounded and uh, tangible for me um, so I think you know to yeah, give your listeners a bit of a sense of you know my journey I suppose when I was doing my PhD I um, in my second year uh, my grandmother passed away um, and I um, in a breakup with my my partner at the time we were in a long-term relationship and we broke up and so when those two things hit me it was like existential crisis identity crisis it kind of sent me into a bit of a spiral of depression and um, high function and anxiety I was like really really struggling with my PhD it was a lot of work like working 60 hours 70 hours a week it was really really tough I went into this really dark space and um, used alcohol as a crutch um, had no really emotional intelligence at the, at the time no idea of how to feel how to process emotions um, so it's kind of sent me on this course for healing I had a day where I was really kind of like something has to change I need to do something different so it was kind of like a pivotal moment in my life where I started to you know ask some more questions about what is the nature of my life reality who am I what do I want for myself um, and it sent me on a course uh, of kind of, yeah, getting in touch with the more spiritual side of life for me, uh, meditation, yoga. Um, I started to get a lot of uh, holistic massage. And I got really introduced to the world of, you know, holistic healing, of personal development, self-care, uh, self-improvement. And, and yeah, very quickly found the power of uh, psychedelic medicines. Um, I was kind of introduced more recreationally at the start, um, like most people, but then I started to use them really with uh, in, uh, strong intention and motivations coupled with my meditative practice. And I found that they were absolute amazing catalysts for growth, healing, connection to your authentic self, connecting to, um, you know, your, your past and being able to resolve and, you know, past experiences that you're still holding on to. Um, and from there, it was kind of no going back. I was convinced, you know, I was reading the research. I was, you know, looking at all the psychological models, got really interested in, um, you know, uh, philosophy, psychotherapy, like reading as much like, as, a, as, I, as I could, like applying my science brain to an, an area that had been shunned by science for nearly, you know, 40, 50 years. Um, and yeah, since then, um, I've been... Uh, working with people uh, in the Netherlands, uh, running the, our Inward Bound Retreat. So it's a five-day retreat doing two really high doses of psilocybin-containing truffles. And people fly in from all across the world to, you know, basically come and face themselves and go really deep into their subconscious mind, their psyche, uh, for a variety of different reasons. You know, people are there looking for healing, trauma resolution, 
looking to increase their creativity, have maybe missed the boat when the psychedelic uh, 60s happened, they want to really connect in a safe manner to working with psychedelics or experience it, trying to find the mystical experience, experiencing altered states of consciousness, and um, you know trying to connect to everything to one uh, so you know people do their research and then say oh my god i want a piece of that i want to try it so we basically hold and and create this supportive container with pre and post counseling so that people can really get the maximum benefits with trying psychedelics and then a hu another huge part of my life is uh circle work and men's work so i work uh, a lot with men one-to-one -one and in group setting in circles on a variety of different teams and topics uh, last week we had a topic on sexuality which was super deep and raw and uncomfortable and amazing yeah. you know guys dropping into a, a vulnerable space and sharing authentically what's going on for them around different topics and supporting each other uh, from a place of you know, non-judgment and dropping into their hearts uh, connecting on that sort of heart level and seeing each other for just being human beings uh, so that's my my kind of my my main work at the moment. I do lots of other little bits on the side, you know, but um, yeah, they're the kind of two big things I'm really passionate about, based off my own personal journey, um, and you know, being in a position where I feel uh, to to the world and to people who want to walk that path of uh, you know spiritual inquiry or healing or uh, personal development. Amazing. There's so many points that um, I want to pick up on that you talked about there. <laughs> yeah. um, I have got my own list of questions, but I'll uh, go off some things that you've actually uh, talked about there. So uh, one of the things is this um, sort of experience with uh, cacao you mentioned at the very start. I always thought cacao was like made to make chocolate and like you <laughs> like put it into like cooking and stuff like that there. But I've seen like people have been like uh, experimenting with it. Uh, to get like a psychedelic trip or something. I, I, I'm not obviously an expert on it. That's why I got you on the show. So could you mm -hmm. describe to me what that is and what it entails? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's amazing because I think in the last kind of three years, there's been this huge revolution in people wanting to work with cacao and what is cacao and trying to differentiate it from like hot chocolate. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, how do, how do I, where do I start really? So, we have we have chocolate in the world, you know, when people when they think of chocolate, they think of maybe in Ireland like Cabris or Nestle or Mars. Um, but this is really highly processed um, cacao. So the cacao forms in a, a big massive pod. So it's a, the fruit is the big the big pod. It kind of looks like a giant seed, and inside you have the beans, and these beans go through a, a process of uh, drying and fermenting to yeah make them uh, edible and make them uh make the kind of molecules bio bioavailably um, uh, active so in cacao there's one of the main components is theobromine uh which is a is a stimulant and it also kind of releases all the feel-good uh, hormones in the body so ceramic, uh, serotonin and dopamine so that's why we love eating chocolate bars and Easter eggs and, you know, drinking hot chocolate because it gives us this good, feel good uh, uh, feeling. Yeah. So the cacao, the cacao that people use um, in kind of more uh, kind of plant medicine circles and ceremonies, you hear lots of things about cacao ceremonies and people use it uh, for rituals. 
is these kind of uh, cacao beans that have been really like unadulterated. So they come um, they get all uh, mashed up into a big paste. So you get this kind of big block of pure, raw, uh, unadulterated cacao. Um, so all the natural oils there, all the all the other natural uh, compounds uh, are, are, are in there, minerals, uh, zinc and magnesium, they're all there. Um, so when people um, go to a cacao ceremony, you get a really high concentrated dose of uh, pure cacao. So if you think about having a, a Cadbury's bar or a dairy milk bar or a Mars bar, this uh, the cacao in this has been really, really stripped. It's been diluted down. It's been, you know, almost, it's, it's a problem of uh, capitalistic society. You want to get the most. So they want to get the most from their beans. So they'll strip mm. it down. They'll add sugars in. They'll add um, uh, preservatives um, different kind of um binding agents yeah uh, they'll take out the they'll take out the oils they'll take out the the kind of natural butter so you're getting this kind of really really stripped uh version of um mm. um and you you won't get these as, as strong as uh, effects as if you have the, the, the pure kind of uh, stuff so uh when you drink a, a cup of cacao it's almost like uh syrup in nature and it's very 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 bitter so we have these different kind of taste receptors you have umami bitter sweet sour and we're not really drinking so many bitter foods uh, anymore we kind of kind of uh, dismiss them but bitter foods are actually really really good for us uh, they're really good for our body for uh, uh, yeah for our health so when you drink this kind of really condensed version you're getting a lot of theobromine it's causing a lot of dopamine, a lot of serotonin to be released in the body. So people think or call cacao a, a heart opener. So it's kind of like, it's not so psychedelic in effect, in effect. So you don't get visuals, you don't get, uh, you know, trip or anything, but it creates this uh, bodily feeling. So people call it as a heart opener. So it opens the heart space. So people feel a lot more loving and open and vulnerable and want to share and connect feel a lot of joy, bliss, happiness. So that's why a lot of the cacao ceremonies are focused around trying to open, open up and mm. coming together in community. So it's and... like a fuck fest. Sorry? <laughs> it's like a fuck fest. <laughs> well, I, I haven't been in any of those circles. And if you do know where they are, do let me, do let me know. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so it's kind of, yeah, it gets people to connect more to themselves and and people some people describe it as a really low dose of mdma so getting that kind of like heart mm. opening loving yeah. loving loving effect um but it's really interesting that cacao is kind of coming back um i think coming back very very strong the mayans used to use it uh when their civilization was at their peak it was really highly revered people used to pay um, with cacao beans and it was used as a currency so that kind of tells you um, how sought after it was people yeah. who were only really high in society got to access it and use it and for me I'm really interested because the Mayans used to combine it with um, magic mushrooms so magic mushrooms grow all around Central and, uh, South America in the forest they have lots of different varieties so they used to blend the mushrooms cacao and then also uh, uh, fungal honey 
So they blend the three of them and it was used on feast days for celebrations um, and also for healing, for going inward. So in, in my work, I, I, I find that mushrooms and cow work really beautifully synergistically together. You know, mushrooms make you go deep uh, into the subconscious and then cacao can really open you up and make you feel a little bit good and happy and kind of have this kind of warm, nurturing blanket over you. So, um, yeah, it's a really, really fascinating um, to be, you know, so popular now in the West. You know, cacao, it grows. Uh, it's originally from uh, Central South America, but it's grown all over the world now in India and Africa. Um, and, you know, different people will say like different cacao from different places have different different qualities and different, different kind of energies and that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really, really fascinating to be here in the land of cacao and to really dive deep and to see what it's all about for myself. Yeah. Um, and then one thing I'm really kind of conscious about is, you know, where does our stuff come from? I think that's been a really big question for me the last year. You know, people are really angry at Amazon and stuff, making millions and billions in this pandemic and they're not paying people properly and all this sort of stuff, uh, their staff. But being here in, in Guatemala, I want to see, you know, where do the beans come from? Are the workers being paid well? How is the community around it? Is it sustainable? Like, is forestry just being cut down now so cacao can be grown? I want to see reju rejuvenation, agroforestry or in the jungle. And so that's where I'm trying to be here and kind of, get a sense or a feel for what's going on with cacao and not just be a, a, a capitalistic Westerner coming in, taking all this, these resources, yeah. bring them back to Europe. And um, so, yeah, this is kind of a big question in the kind of plant medicine sphere. Same with, you know, ayahuasca, peyote and sort of Pedro, the mescaline containing cactuses. You know, there's huge um, kind of problems going on where people are cutting a lot of the plants and some of these plants are endangered species and they're destroying habitats and, so I think it's, you know, trying to be somewhat socially conscious with where cacao comes from um, and trying to touch touch base with that here has been kind of, yeah, a part of my mission out here. And it's been really wonderful meeting so many people who are interested in it here. It's, it's really the land of it. There's so many different providers and farms and yeah. um, people working with it. It's really cool. Amazing. And again, every time that you talk, there's so many points I want to talk about. And I'm like, shit, which one do I choose? <laughs> um, <laughs> I suppose uh, I would like to talk, uh, my background, I like it. I uh, graduated from uni as a historian. So um, I'm kind of into like my research and shit like that there uh, for history. And uh, I touched on the Mayans a bit and stuff like that there. They're pretty freaky fucking psychopathic people. Uh, <laughs> like from the sense in that like the massacres that they done. And then also like, like you said, like mixing loads of shit together. I heard something as well on the Joe Rogan podcast that they like used to smoke penis blood and shit like that there. Uh, yeah, some crazy shit. I, I, that's just me going into my own sort of uh, weird bro science research. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but with with the Mayans and like you see with like uh, the Egyptians and uh, I suppose with like Africans as well, like witch doctors and stuff like that, um, they, there's always been that kind of psychedelic sort of medicine that they've always like used. And it's kind of from what I've got from like researching different like uh, books and like reading stuff online um, and also YouTube. Uh, I, I've got that like it's kind of used as a gateway to 
like you said, it's a gateway to open up your own uh, subconscious and stuff like that. Um, but also a gateway to talk to like higher like beings or something like that there. And um, I wanted to sort of get like your, um, we'll talk about your experience with the um, with the drugs later, but um, with like, because you're there and like you've probably talked to locals and stuff like that. Did they talk much about like the history of like using like these uh these drugs to kind of like talk to like gods or anything like that there or talk to something that's like off off a higher power? Mm. Yeah, yeah, great, great point, you know. And yeah, just to kind of bring in as well that when we look at a lot of these kind of ancient civilizations and cultures, like ultimately, you know they a lot of them suffered well all of them suffered it is a demise that's why they're they're no longer here um and it's i think for me you know it's really hard to differentiate what is um you know where's the kind of the fake news in it all you know so you know a lot of these kind of cultures were really discredited as you know maybe savages or like crazy or uh, evil and but like you know the winners always write the history and a lot of these kind of cultures were discredited and um you know tabooed and um so i i i find that you know when we move into the the kind of spiritual aspect the psychedelic aspect the kind of mysterious and esoteric a lot of this stuff was really shunned people were told don't go near that it's like evil and you'll be burned at the stake so people were actually afraid of it (laughs) um um so you know with the mayan culture being in out out here they were you know they were conquered by the the spanish conquistadors and christianity was imposed upon them and you can really see that out here that you know there's lots of christian uh icons and churches and then below the surface if you scratch a little bit you can see some of the old mayan culture and in the street art, in some of the ceremonies that go on, in the older generation. Um, so it's a really interesting place to be because I feel it's very similar to Ireland, you know? We were colonized, our pagan, ancestral, yeah. um, kind of uh, nature-based spirituality was completely rubbed out, you know? And we were told to completely uh, disown it. So disown all the Celtic gods, um, don't believe in any of your cosmology and your Celtic astrology, this sort of stuff. So it's very similar here. So, you know, it's been very hard to try and find any real kind of like tangible people that are working in the Mayan tradition. Uh, now, there are some people at the forefront of it, of it now, you know, some people, an older generation, some people in the younger generation are starting to come through to kind of see what Catholicism has done for the country um, and kind of moving away from that and getting more in touch with the ancestral sort of uh, mind culture and uh, cosmology. And so, yeah, it's really hard to to find the evidence, you know, and a lot of this stuff was completely wiped out. A lot of the the, anybody working with probably uh, psychedelics, working with cacao, uh, out here or um, other kind of herbal medicines what they were all really they were wiped out so a lot of the information was lost a lot of the lineages who would have been practicing using uh, you know for jungle medicine this sort of stuff for thousands of years was completely wiped out 
so it's been really really hard to to connect uh with those with those people here um and it's the same in ireland you know we have magic mushrooms all over ireland there was definitely people working with them there was definitely traditions rituals and rites and ceremonies in ireland but unfortunately that was all lost and now there's a big revival around it um but with the mayan cosmology you know it's uh, the calen- calendar is, is fascinating and I feel like the whole culture goes by the calendar. There's 20 named days within uh, 1 to 13 cycles, within bigger cycles. So when you're born, you get a, you get a day. Uh, my day is Imox, which is the crocodile, which is all about uh, spiritual growth and water and, you know, lots of other stuff. It's like pages and pages of stuff. Wow. But, you know, I think what the minds used to do is they used to use these specific days for specific things. So there's like a day for forgiveness. There's a day for community. There's a day for, um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but you know, each day out of 20 days has something and it creates this kind of focal point where the community comes together. They kind of focus on this one thing and then that's that day. And then the next day they, they do that. So it's kind of also kind of like a nature-based spirituality. They have a connection to the great cosmos uh, they have a connection to these different days um, they have a yeah sense of a, a higher power uh, or a you know I don't want to use the word maybe God because it's such a loaded word and you know Ireland we're just like anything God is like ah get me away from it <laughs> you know they had this kind of cosmic sense they had a, a, a place in, in, in the cosmos and you know they used to you know, see themselves as a part of nature. You know, they used to not take um, more than what they needed. They used to yeah. work in kind of these jungle almost uh, communities. Like the civilizations here were massive, and we can see that from all the pyramids around in places uh, like Tikal or El Mirador. Um, and they would have got everything they needed from these places. So and fruits and they were very they were a very very abundant civilization so um even though they had wars within them like anywhere in the world we always had these clan wars for you know resources and you know honor and pride uh, and you know differentiation in maybe the god uh, gods or deities and so yeah it's been really really fascinating to to explore and i think a lot about um, you know, I'm on this huge journey now of trying to connect to Celtic spirituality as well and looking at uh, what our own zodiac is and what our own cosmology and what our connection was like to, to, to the land. That's amazing. I actually totally forgot about that, like um, about whenever like the, um, the Normans and stuff and came into Ireland and they kind of um, killed off all the clans and stuff like that there. And uh like we were very like um pagan in culture like there was a lot of like different um like rituals and uh like you said we were very in touch with our, with the uh cosmos and stuff like that you would look at the moon and like you would celebrate different days like lunar and stuff like that and um i find that very very interesting um and also like you said about the mushrooms as well like that's making kind of like a comeback as well in ireland um have you ever seen that movie shrooms <laughs> I think I actually have never seen it, but I heard about it years ago. And people man, are like, oh, that don't, is, don't that <laughs> man, it's freaky <laughs> as fuck. It's like, I think it's in County Armagh, they, uh, a group of Americans, 
of course it's americans uh they go and uh, camp out and then they take these mushrooms and then some like fucking grudge ladies like chasing after them so i don't know what the fuck was going on there but it was it was actually an all right movie um but i suppose an, another um sort of uh, point i want to talk about whilst you were talking there was about uh like the, the spanish coming over and imposing like catholicism uh do you think the reason why there is such a stigma towards like psychedelics and sort of drugs in in general ones that are not like obviously like uh like prescriptive do you think it came from like the reefer madness in like the 1920s and america was a big push or do you think it was solely down to religion and like they didn't want people using these drugs to contact like other things because they wanted your focus on the church Yeah, yeah, great question. I, there's an amazing book, uh, Young and Harry Chasing the Scream, and he really goes into a lot about the stigma and the war on drugs and how it started. Um, I think you know if we go if we go back um, to you know almost like the the burning of the the witches and the Salem witch trials and the, Grand Inquisition, you know, anybody who was practicing anything that wasn't the mainstream religion, like Roman Catholicism at the time, was burned. So people who would have worked with psychedelics, would have worked with herbalism, and any sort of kind of uh, plant medicine would have been seen as a witch or a, you know, a wizard if you're a man or, you know, uh, you you would have been seen as crazy. So a lot of these terms about, uh, you know, crazy or loco or, or madness these are all like derogatory terms for somebody who was probably in touch with both worlds so they would have been in touch with the the kind of shamanic world or subconscious or the altered state of consciousness and people would have thought they were crazy um so you know yeah there was probably a, a bit of that throughout history of of, of religion um but in modern times it's really uh, the 1960s war on drugs with uh, Reagan and Nixon uh, really uh, yeah, trying to outlaw all psychedelic substances. And this was kind of a big backlash because of the Vietnam War. So you mm-hmm. had people like Timothy Leary, Harvard professor, um, coming out and, and saying to people to take psychedelics, to not fight in the war, to drop out of mainstream society. Uh, and yeah, they got really worried, I think, really worried in america that a lot of people were pushing back against mainstream society people were quitting their jobs and not not wanting to um, conscript to the war Um, and it's a terrible time because there was a lot of research starting to go on people like stanislav groff were doing amazing research with lsd for ptsd and trauma Um, and you know all these psychedelic substances were completely banned then Uh, and it was tied into a lot of racist tension as well reefer madness was blamed on a lot of the minority communities yeah. for you know disrupting and uh, polluting the the minds of, of young white Americans you know not to go to university yeah a lot of this kind of racist tension is happening and they needed a scapegoat they needed to point to something so that's why you had the reefer madness um, and yeah there's like a huge huge story with Mexico and the cartels and marijuana and you know, it's a, it's a whole area that is messed up. And same with cocaine and, you know, the CIA, CIA being involved. 
involved and a lot of Americans making money from like, you know, this distribution channel and a lot of corruption. And so it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a whole crazy space. And because of that, there's a huge stigma, even the word drugs, when people, a lot of people in mainstream society hear that they go, Oh no drugs, you know, but you know, tobacco's a drug, caffeine's a drug, alcohol's a drug, you know, it's not just these kind of psychedelics or other ones. Um, LSD or mushrooms or marijuana and um, yeah so we're kind of in this space where a lot of the stigma is starting to fall away now because uh, a lot of science like proper science is allowed to be done for the first time so a lot of places are getting licenses to work with psychedelic substances clinical trials are happening the research data is coming out now and the thing that sways public opinion is science you know we live in a, a science civilization and um, people believe science and they trust science. And so if science says something is, is right, a lot of people will, will believe it and just trying to rewrite those beliefs and resolve the stigmas around these substances uh, and showing people the actual potential for these substances when coupled with um, you know, counseling or being done in safe and supportive settings. Uh, and done with, you know, intentionality and respect that they can have um, huge benefits on your 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 psyche and your healing, your personality, your belief systems. Uh, so we're in this amazing time now. It's almost like the 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 second uh, psychedelic uh, renaissance or revolution, maybe even to use that word. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And do you, do you think that like do you think it would be good for like kind of all those psychedelic drugs to be legalized or do you think that it would be kind of problematic because everyone would have access to it well i think you know for me it comes down to um you know education first um and to really be you know clear psychedelics are not for everybody you know some people have a really bad time on psychedelics they can have very very challenging experiences uh, because maybe they're not psychologically in a in a frame of mind um, uh, it's called um, set you know set and setting the place that you take them in is a setting in the set your mental head, mental head space you know they may not be in the correct mental head space they may not have the correct uh, tools to be able to navigate intense emotions and feelings um, if they have uh, have a history of um, maybe mental health illness if there's yeah. a a history of mental health illness in the family, maybe schizophrenia, bipolar, uh, OCD, personality disorders. These might trigger in you if if you have if you have them within uh, in the family. So you know there has to be some sort of caution around it, and that comes with education about people knowing that you know based on my personality, what's happened in my past, how I'm doing mentally now at the moment, I shouldn't participate in using psychedelics so you know when people come on our retreat a big part of our process is screening people for all this stuff sitting down mm. doing a one-to-one with a, a counselor online and making sure that they're in the right mental headspace so the thing about psychedelics is they're non-specific amplifiers of your conscious state so if you're going through a bereavement if you're going through a breakup a loss of your job personality identity crisis this will really be amplified for you you'll really feel it it will be very very intense you know the sensations in the body your mind and this can be very, very challenging. So, you know, when working with psychedelics, it's good to be somewhat mentally steady or stable. 
in a kind of uh, uh, pretty neutral space, you know, um, and to get there, that's why talk therapy can be wonderful. Um, you know, Rob, uh, my business partner, who we run in Ravenna with, a lot of his work, um, he's a psychotherapist, transpersonal therapist, has uh, worked with uh, a lot of the Jungian models of psychology. You know, he works with a lot of people trying to get them into a space where then they can they can work with psychedelics if, if he feels that that's a path for them. Um, but on the question of like uh, legality, you know, if we look at decriminalization, if we look at the United States at the moment, they're starting to decriminalize, legalize marijuana in all the states. Um, you know, the last election was seen as a greenwash, you know, all these states saying marijuana is now allow- allowed to be sold, distributed. Yeah. Um, and same with plant medicines, so natural medicines. Uh, some uh, states, as Oregon, have uh, decriminalized all all nature, you know, decrim nature uh, movement. So people can work with psilocybin, mescaline, ayahuasca, ibogaine, any of the classic kind of plant yeah. medicines. Um, and you know, we're in this space now that you know, and I personally feel that, um, you know, a lot of the kind of problem with um people using substances uh, are, they don't know where they where they come from. They don't know what's actually in there. They could be cut with other substances. They don't know about yeah. the quality, the purity. They don't know about the dose, how much they're taking. You know, you can't, you can't be sure. So this is kind of like prohibition area. It's the black market. It's the same with alcohol. When we had alcohol prohibition. People were going blind from, um, you Poaching. know, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pochine and all these sort of illegal uh, brews. And it's similar with psychedelics. So, you know, people have these really, really uh, terrible experiences sometimes that they think they're taking one thing and they're actually getting another, or or they think they're taking one amount, but they're actually taking 10 times the recommended dose. And no wonder they're tripping for three days, you know, having a really (laughs) tough time and losing touch with reality. So for me, it's like tax, regulate, um, educate, you know, then we'll be in a space where people know what they're getting there's money going back into society because people are paying whatever tax, you know, I pay 50% tax if I could go out and, and uh, buy beautiful, you know, um, artisan magic mushrooms from a company. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but I think a lot of other people wouldn't mind because they know what they're getting, you know, yeah. uh, in the Netherlands, truffles that are legal there through a loophole, they're taxed. Uh, I think it's 23%, you know, marijuana in the States that's taxed really high. And, you know, places like Colorado have seen tax revenue increase massive amounts and they've been able to p- pump this money back into schooling, into recreation, into, into, you know, into the society. So I think we're in this amazing space now that we have the potential to, to, to decriminalize, legalize, legalize and regulate. Um, and then also a huge another issue which I'm really interested in is in Ireland. You know, if you're caught with any... Um, banned substance such as marijuana you're seen as a criminal you know Um, and you know this should be seen as a public health matter you know why is that person using cannabis why is that person using magic mushrooms and why is that person using uh, opioids because you know they're trying to maybe self-medicate they're trying to get into a better frame of mind a better state you know maybe they have glycoma maybe they have arthritis maybe they have seizures and they need cbd and thc to be able to calm their nervous system you know the research is there why people use these substances they're they create massive health benefits uh, for people and um, with a lot of these kind of uh, conditions and um, so you know 
I see things slowly starting to progress, but it's really slow, you know, and not to put my uh, tinfoil uh, conspiracy <laughs> hat on about, you know, the pharmaceutical industry and the, and, the, and the kind of the power that they have, the lobbying power that they have with the, with the governments. Mm-hmm. And they don't want people using natural medicines. They don't want people yeah. uh, self-medicating with this other stuff because then people don't take antidepressants anymore. People don't use Valium anymore. People yeah. don't, you know, use pain medication. All these kind of big pharmaceutical capitalistic models are starting to dissolve overnight because we have an, we now have an alternative, you know, a proven, scientifically proven alternative that these substances do work for people on a much deeper, profound level. So, yeah, quite an interesting time to be uh, alive at the moment, I think. <laughs> I think you, I think you've heard it best, like kind of like a revolution. And uh, like you said, like I've seen like research, like saying MDMA is good for like PTSD. Um, obviously, uh, CBD is amazing for people who have like, uh, cancer can really numb the pain um, or also people who have like cerebral palsy like or um, Parkinson's disease like I've seen like loads of videos online of like people's hands shaking like nuts because of Parkinson's and then they'll get the CBD and next thing they can actually like hold like a cup properly and take a drink from it and like moments like that is so special oh yeah absolutely and you know the thing about psychedelics is they're not magic bullets. You know, a lot of a lot of work has to be done as well, inner work, uh, for, um, you know, for healing. But some of them do have these kind of um, physiological effects on the on your central nervous system, and you know, uh, uh, such as yeah, cannabinoids. That whole family of um, molecules are known to really calm the, the nervous system. Um, yeah, so for me, it's kind of looking at the whole psychedelic sphere. It seems like different ones uh, really work in different ways and can have benefits for people in different ways. So you kind of, yeah, you touch on it there. MDMA for relationships, couple counseling, uh, PTSD. Uh, you have ketamine for uh, people with chronic uh, depression, end of life anxiety. You have ibogaine, the African um uh, compound from the iboga it's a, a um a powder root and mm. that the, the compound is taken from people say this is really working for people who have chronic addiction so chronic uh, heroin or opioid addiction or alcohol addiction this is really working for those those people uh, same with ayahuasca um san pedro peyote similar as well for uh, you know PTSD so a lot of veterans uh, of wars who would have these kind of tragic trauma using these substances uh, and yeah magic mushrooms for emotional release also depression and anxiety a lot of the research has been done around that uh, and same with LSD so you know you have all of these different psychedelics and we're just at the moment if you look you can go on websites and look up the clinical trials you can just see they're trying everything you know any condition that is out there they're like just throwing psychedelics at it trying to do clinical trials, trying to see if, 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 if they have an effect on all of these kind of psychological sort of problems that Western society has almost cultivated in the last uh, number of years due to our society being sick and not functioning. You know, the incidence of people with depression and anxiety is probably at the highest it's ever been because yeah. of, you know, how connected we are to social media and the pressure on careers and our jobs and you know having to be somebody in the world and and yeah the stuff that we go through so yeah it's um yeah it's fascinating to just 
start to see the science being allowed now because it is um, being seen as uh, legitimate treatments to all of the Yeah, and it's it's really wonderful in my work, having sat with nearly, you know, over 100 people now at this stage, and yeah, maybe more, I haven't really counted, but definitely in the hundreds, uh, how profound, you know, working with psychedelics can shift uh, stuff for people who've been stuck for years, doing talk therapy for years, and in, in a weekend, they can do a lot of inner work and, you know, get in touch with their authenticity, their their self what's going on get clear where, where they're going in their life their values what they want for their life uh, what they need to do next uh, so it's, it's really wonderful to be in, in a space where i'm actually seeing that firsthand uh, yeah. not just reading about it on, online or seeing videos and stuff you know yeah it's like you're fucking like you're the activist you're like the rosa parks of the drug world <laughs> <laughs> the psychedelic world um, yeah i'm not getting i'm not getting off my seat <laughs> Um, I think you, you touched on something that I kind of hate. Um, so like people like in Ireland who do have like these like horrible like conditions or, um, they have like an illness and they have to like travel to go to America to get the, uh, the medicine. And it's just like you said, it's just these greedy corporations, mostly the pharmaceuticals who, are trying to put down kind of the natural medicine and um because they're obviously making so much money and actually i'm meaning to read that book chasing the screen but i uh i read the book by johan harry uh what the hell is it called lost connections and oh uh, yeah one really really great follow-up to that yeah yeah. brilliant book um I read it and he was talking about like how it's like a trillion uh, dollar flipping industry. And um, that's kind of why you don't, you're seeing it now, like you said, like there is some parts that are coming out, like uh, there's different states in America that are legalizing it. Um, but I think um, it probably will be a very, very slow journey because of these pharmaceutical companies, unless they kind of, unless they kind of cave in and they give into it, but then you'll see them getting their hands on, the medicinal shit and then you don't know what the fuck's going on because if they're fucking producing it in these big massive factories it could be mixed with god knows what so um i don't know it's it's, it's kind of strange um yeah there's kind, always... of, there's kind of like a top-down control you know like the yeah they don't want to lose their their revenue their profits so you know uh vera to me she's a really big activist in the cannabis space because her her child and um, you know needs this medicine for uh i think uh i think her child has uh seizures or you mm. know uh, sort of kind of similar to like epileptic fits mm. and you know she she's been really trailblazing this in ireland and she's found so much pushback at so many different stages and you know now she's at a space where she can access this medicine in ireland with a really tightly regulated license mm. but the cost of this medicine is in the thousands of euro for like a one or two month uh, supply where this stuff can be made really really cheaply you know and we see it being made by lots of people all across the world really cheaply but yet the pharmaceutical model has a, 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 a what's that word um, a markup of like a yeah. thousand percent or something so yeah it's, they're, they're trying to they're trying to control it you know they're trying to come in and uh, 
control it. And, you know, I'm all for science in, a, in, in, in regard, you know, I, I believe in stuff being, you know, made properly and done properly. And, you know, there has to be some sort of regulation, like you said, on, you know, what goes in there and the purity, um, you know, and I think, you know, that, that that's great that we do have some sort of regulation so that people aren't going like blind from <laughs> taking gone off CBD or something, you know, yeah. so, uh, or stuff got, you know, stuff going into it that we don't know. But, um, so there has to be some sort of regulation. There has to be some sort of science around the correct doses and how much to take and the long-term effects. Um, and, you know, this, this kind of science needs to be worked, worked out. And, you know, there has to be a bit of investment and a bit of funding in that. But I think it's, I get really angry at like the scalping of the massive profits, you know, after everything's yeah. been paid off and everybody's made some, some money and the research has been paid, paid off and that sort of stuff that they're still just bleeding money out of the people that need this for their health. Yeah, definitely. And um, so we, we kind of talked on the scientific like point of this, like around the stigma. Um, I want to throw a conspiracy theory at you um, just to get your sort of uh, feeling about it. Um, so like I, I listen to Joe Rogan and, um, like all the time, like religiously. And I love whenever he has, uh, Alex Jones on and I don't, I'm not one of these like, uh, people that believe in everything that Alex Jones says, but, um, some of the things that he does says, um, has came true, but like, I, I kind of like take a more from like a comedic sort of stance. So I won't take anything literal, but, um, he always like said, um, and like there's other people who who said it as well that like the government don't want you to don't want you to experiment with these drugs because they do wondrous things like what he actually says is allow you to think for yourself (laughs) yeah exactly it's allowing to think for yourself but it's also like what he's like he's going back to that more traditional sort of um written like the history books where they like talk about um like they're using these drugs as a gateway to talk to the gods like do you like I suppose my question to you is like do you believe in that or do you still like come at it from like an approach where you think it's just like about the person and it's like sort of just their own subconscious not like a pathway to talk to like interdimensional beings or fucking aliens or something like that yeah great question and it's one I find myself always like in this tug of war you know I have like all this rational logical science training but then I've also had these kind of like mystical experiences um, and profound altered states of consciousness where I have connected to like everything and yeah. uh, you know past loved ones and ancestors and have had like amazing visions and connection to uh, you know deities or powers or uh, and maybe use the word beings you know no no Terence McKenna style machine dripping elves yet or anything <laughs> um, but uh, God knows how much, you know, substances he, he was doing, a lot, a lot of DMT, I think. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, um, so, you know, the thing about psychedelics, they have this massive component for inner healing, uh, but they also have this mystical experience, which um, has ultimately got me inside with, um, or got me in touch with my, my, my spirituality. So, uh, you know, having this greater sense of um you know having these big ego dissolution experience where you you feel that you're one with everything that you're maybe connected to source energy or people use the word christ consciousness uh, or god 
Um, and I love, I love kind of like Alan Watts, you know, the, the philosopher and his kind of, his kind of stance on this, uh, seeing yourself as God, you know, like everything in your external world, you're seeing through the eyes of divinity, you're seeing it through, you have this amazing machine that you can go around in this kind of 3D alternate reality and, you know, do things and have experiences and explore stuff and get in touch with awareness and and there's that man you know it's um i think it's just it's a fascinating space to be in and a big part of my journey of that is trying to always come back to myself to my pure awareness to see uh beyond my identities my labels and trying to go beyond the ego um and you know when i do you know uh, meditation retreats and stuff like that it, it's always that trying to come back to the cell uh, connect to your pure awareness maybe your, your space of um, um, and feeling feeling yourself as um you know a divine being a magical being um whatever terminology you want to use you know so that's why I love being in the space. People have so many different terminologies and different terminologies trigger different people. So, you know, in Ireland, the word God um, or Christ consciousness be like, oh my God, I don't want to be, I don't want to know that. I don't want to be uh, dealing with that because there's been so much trauma and fear around it. Um, so yeah, they have this huge component to be able to connect to uh, a higher power, you know, a sense of um, you know Nathan's higher self who's looking out for you or Dara's higher self who's there looking out for you and subtly guiding you and yeah. um, you know people talk about like they're, they're guiding angels or archangels or their past love love uh, or family members who they love who are looking out for them and you know when you do these massive doses of psychedelic experiences you can connect to that that sort of space or that energy uh, a lot you know not all the time but sometimes and it's, it's amazing because they try to quantify these mystical experiences uh, with science so Roland Griffiths in um, John Hopkins University in the States they've been trying to quantify the mystical experience and they've shown that when people have these mystical experiences they're some of the most significant experiences of their lives so more um more significant than watching their baby being born or marrying the, <laughs> marrying their their loved one or you know getting promotion or you know all this sort of stuff and that these mystical experiences actually have the biggest catalyst as well for inner healing so when people have this connection to everything connection to self and uh you know all of consciousness and um, that they find healing in it and they find meaning and they you know get those kind of like deep messages about the nature of are in reality and this can really you know help people um have a sense of who they are in the world and what they want to achieve and and cultivate for for, for themselves you know yeah um, and it's tied a lot into for me it's always tied into love and compassion so having self-compassion for yourself and, and love self-love for yourself that you know you're a human being and you deserve to be loved and, and you know maybe you didn't get that in your childhood and that's sort of belief that you carry on your subconscious mind your whole life so you do always mess yourself up <laughs> yeah. um, but you know when you have these experiences of like oh my god i deserve to be happy and loved and have compassion and nurturing and then you kind of can go on this course 
this course of 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 others and so yeah that's that's where i kind of that's where i kind of am with it you know yeah and uh just to we'll get off this uh topic but uh is the clockwork elves real well I don't know, this is a thing it's a subjective experiences you know so what's <laughs> going to be real for you isn't going to be real for me um yeah. so and like how am i to say what you see isn't isn't, isn't real for you you know so um, yeah some people describe the maddest experiences after uh, psychedelics and almost you look at the i love reading some of the you know the trip reports online and you think to myself like no way somebody wrote that if they didn't have to do that for sober so you know uh, this stuff is just so bizarre and so mad you know so um and then a lot of similar patterns. So people will see a lot of similar patterns and on similar psychedelics. So there has to be some sort of truth. Yeah. Um, but you have this whole branch of people known as psychonauts. So these are trying these are people that are trying to explore the last frontier, which is the frontier of our own mind. So taking massive, massive, massive doses of psychedelics and going on these interdimensional astral sort of traveling through through their mind. So just lying down with a blindfold on, maybe. Uh, listen to music going like trying to explore the, these altered states of consciousness and trying to map them out and figure them out and uh, you know, have landmarks and everything so you know there's a lot of people out there who, who use psychedelics uh, for uh, inner exploration as well that's amazing it's it's something that i've always wanted to do and i and i know that i will do it and um following yourself online i think i would definitely um do it with yourself because i always said to people um, even on the podcast like with guests like I've always said to them um, like have you ever done like DMT or anything like that there because um, I've always just been so fascinated by it and um, um, I've always said that I would do it if it was like in a controlled environment like obviously I wouldn't just take it off some fucking guy in the back of the nightclub or something like that there but uh, <laughs> I would definitely do it in a uh, in a controlled environment and um, I suppose uh, feeding off that there um, your, your last point where you said about like uh, people have different experiences have you yourself ever had like a sort of like a bad trip um yeah so for me you know i think it's good to reframe that i think there's no such thing as a bad trip there's just really challenging experiences that you can have and you know it's about definitely trying to see what's coming up for you um i think you know um, I'm very lucky as in, you know, whenever I've ever worked with psychedelics, I've always been sure of their, their purity and their source. And, you know, I've, I've always been um, aware of, you know, mixing different psychedelics. So I'm pretty passionate about psychedelic harm reduction and, you know, any of the talks that I give online seminars, the magic mushrooms seminar I give or the microdosing seminar. I always talk about like harm reduction, you know, ways not to work with psychedelics because people who have these kind of terrible experiences are because they're they're you know not doing them in the right way pretty much you know mm -hmm. or or they're also not they don't have the correct mind frame so you know they're going through a really hard time and then they eat loads of mushrooms after the night out when they're drinking 10 pints and maybe they did some coke with their mates in the in the in the jacks and they <laughs> they ate really shitty food so their body feels really shit and then they yeah. take psychedelics and then they have this terrible experience of you know feeling really shit about themselves and having all their terrible emotions you know of anger or jealousy or self-hatred 
uh, and then not being able to really center themselves or navigate themselves. So for me, you know, I've had really challenging experiences, you know, sometimes um, I've had, uh, you know, experiences where I've been really challenged by my emotions, feeling a lot of maybe jealousy or anger or a lot of negative self-talk and trying to really sit with that and trying to reframe my mind and feel the emotions and trying to move through them. Um, but people who generally have the really big kind of like uh, episodes where they kind of freak out, lose touch reality is, is maybe because they have that underlying mental health condition or family, mm. or family history of something. They're not in a good headspace. They're taking it with a medication that they probably shouldn't, or they're taking it with another substance that they probably couldn't, you know, and one of the biggest things, you know, people go to festivals they're on the third day of the festival. They haven't really eaten. They haven't really slept. And then they take maybe two tabs of acid and they get into this really crazy space. Uh, and that's when they have these kind of like really, they're really, really, really challenged because, you know, they maybe they're low on sugar, sleep, and yeah. their mind frame, the set and setting. And then they get paranoid because maybe they smoke a spliff as well. And this like amplifies the psychedelics even more. So, you know, all this kind of stuff feeds in and we're kind of in this space where it's kind of like around education and trying to figure out, you know, what works, what doesn't work and doing them with somebody in a safe environment. So, yeah, I'd absolutely love, love to, to facilitate for you sometimes yeah, um, because because having somebody there can, you know, it's really important if you're doing these big doses or if it's your first time to have somebody there because they act as an anchor. So a big part of my work is like sitting with the person, being fully present offering as much attention, care, uh, the compassion, love that I can to the person for whatever arises in them, you know, whatever they're going through, because you never know, you could be like, oh, I just want to explore my mind and, you know, <laughs> go deep. And then next of all, you're, you're resolving childhood trauma yeah. or, you know, working through like really negative self-talk or self-limiting beliefs. Or, so, you know, a lot of stuff can come up. So I think part of the, the sitter is, you know, being fully there to make sure that the person is fully taken care of as if you're a child and all your needs are being met and you feel safe and you feel uh, loved and uh, you know that everything is okay so you know you can take off the blindfold look at me and I can go yeah it's okay don't worry go, okay put, a, put put the blindfold back on and, and go back in you know so yeah and um, you know or just even having some presence you know if you're if you're on, on the outermost edge of the cosmos in your mind and you know, you're getting a bit like, you know, a lot of my work is watching the body and seeing how the body moves and what's coming out of it. And maybe I need to just go over and put my hand on the person's shoulder and go, yeah, I'm here. It's okay. Yeah. Grand, or, just, or just hold someone's <clears throat> hand or maybe they're like holding their chest a lot and I'll come over and just gently like work the area with a little bit of massage or touch to, you know, if there's a pain coming out of the body or a lot of people might clench their jaws. So it might be just a little mm. bit of face massage or you know, trying to work with the body, see what's arising in the body, what the body is presenting. If there's a discomfort, can the person really sit with that discomfort? Can they feel into it? Can they feel what it's trying to teach them, what it's trying to show them, where it's arising from? Um, so the body is fascinating. We store all this stuff in there. Uh, and working with psychedelics, they can really cathartically allow us to release uh, this stuff. So, um, yeah, it's... It, it, doing it with somebody who's trained can make the experience 10 times better, you know? And um, it just, it's like anything, you know, if you do something, if you get, if you do something with somebody who's experienced, it's always going to be better. They're going to have knowledge yeah. resources. They've, they've walked the path. They can give you 
guidance they can point stuff out you know they can uh, just uh, s- support you in it so um i feel very fortunate that i'm, I'm in that space based on my uh, nearly 10 years of uh, of my personal healing journey so um yeah it's really 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 humbling and, and wonderful to be able to be in service around that yeah definitely like you said there as well like if someone is like uh like you're watching their reactions and stuff and um, like i find like even if like i've started like uh, doing meditation and um, just 10 minutes a day and um i was talking to a guy previously on the uh podcast and he was saying it's always good to have like you said like have like an anchor to bring you back into reality so like i i didn't even know that i was doing i was just doing it like uh, like subconsciously and like holding my things like out on my lap and like it was kind of like if i was like dozing off or if i was going into like a deep trance like i just like tapped my fingers together to like sort of bring me kind of back and like focus on my breathing and um it was amazing whenever you said that there i was just like oh wow so this it must actually work like it's good to have sort of like something that can bring you back in reality and it's kind of like that old saying like uh oh pinch me i must be dreaming or something do you know what i mean Yeah, absolutely. And that's why people work as well with altars, you know, so like the altars are just like, uh, you know, like a little altar with some some items on it, some flowers, bits of nature, some personal meaning, uh, full objects, uh, some statues, depending on, you know, the person's journey. And they're just, they create a focal point, of, a, a point of anchoring the space, a, a point of um, attention so that like, no matter what's coming going on you can always just come back and you can look at the altar and be like these are things that represent me represent my life nature and you can just be with it and they can be little clues into your psyche as well so you might have some photos on it or uh, different objects from different times in your life so um yeah they're 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 important as well for helping to, to anchor anchor the space um, yeah. and yeah that's why a lot of people will, will work with them I um I'll, I'll definitely like whenever all this COVID situation fucks up and then I'm in a better financial situation I'll definitely will be uh, reaching out to you because I, I do want to do um I want to do something and hopefully you're still in Central America where I can do it um with like Central America as well is it frowned upon for like the likes of yourself coming over there and like experiment with these drugs or do they like embrace it like do you see many locals like um locals uh like participating in like sort of drug ceremonies or anything like that there or was it kind of like yourself and like westerners coming over and, and experiencing it mm. yeah i think more more so in, in south america a lot of kind of plant medicine tourism so you know a lot of westerners are flying in and uh are doing these ceremonies because ultimately they want to heal themselves you know um but it has caused uh, you know problems and within uh, you know some indigenous communities and that sort of stuff with you know money and power dynamics and clash of cultures and um so yeah, I think there's kind of like, you know, like I said, the different generations, really. So there's the generations that are kind of in kind of Christianity or Catholicism. And then there's kind of the more indigenous people that would, uh, you know, work with plant medicines if, if they're a part of their, their tribe or their culture. So, you know, down here, it's like there's so many different pockets of different 
different cultures and different uh, sort of, uh, yeah, ways of working because some areas are so isolated. So I think some of them have it as a part of their culture and then some of them don't. And then, you know, originally, you know, the, the, the shamans of South America, were, were, they used to only drink the medicines, the psychedelic medicines themselves and then give the healing out. But uh, the kind of stories are that they found that it was getting so bad, uh, this kind of uh, sickness of the mind that they actually had to start to give it to, to other people. So not just for themselves, they had to start to give it out. They have a name for this sickness. It's called Watiko. So it's kind of the sickness of the mind. So they say it's a lot in, in the Westerners' mind. Uh, you know, we're corrupted by materialism and capitalism and uh, all this sort of stuff, you know. Um, and that's what I think we have so much depression and anxiety. And it's because we have this kind of specific sickness of the mind. So they have to start to give it out to the Westerners. And um, they, a lot of them, you know, are, are working with a lot of integrity. They, they feel that, you know, we do need it, but there's also, you know, shadowy stuff going on. So, you know, it's really important to know the person you're working with. Don't ever work with somebody who you don't fully trust, who you haven't reviewed. If you go to a ceremony, and you're just about to take whatever and you have a bad gut feeling because of the group energy or somebody in the circle or, or the person, the facilitator themselves, like do not take it. You have, 100% authority to stop at any point and leave, you know, um, because, you know, there has been a lot of um, reports of sexual abuse, mm. uh, violence, misconduct um, in these sort of places. And that's kind of based on, you know, the shadow aspect of the psyche. People want power, people want authority, and money has, is, is a, has corrupted a lot of. Uh, people working with medicines a lot of people who would never have worked in medicines it uh, wasn't part of their 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 tribe or their lineage are now just working with it without any training or guidance so you know it's really important to know who you're working with trust the person i've done your research and you know i tell anybody i work with at any moment you don't have to you know take this if you want to if you're at the retreat and you know, on the morning you wake up and you feel, oh, I don't feel like it. I have this kind of gut instu- intuition. Don't take it, you know. You can do it again tomorrow or something. Uh, but, you know, it's about listening to what's right for you and being really in tune with, with your, your intuition and your, and your gut. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, sounds like, uh, it sounds like those people, they don't want the stigma then, then. Like if they're going out and they're... Because like that's given the... The big power, like the pharmaceutical companies, more um, sort of headlines to say, oh, this is why these drugs are illegal. Like, do you know what I mean? So, like, they're kind of ruining it for the likes of yourself who are obviously advocates oh, and trying yeah. to promote it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's the thing. We're working underground. Uh, well, I'm not working underground. I'm, I have a, a fully legal business in the Netherlands, and that's why I'm working in the Netherlands because I can. Ultimately, yeah. I'd love to be working in Ireland, but, uh, you know, the, the, the law says that, you know, just the mushrooms that grow from the grass up the mountains is illegal. <laughs> uh, something that's totally natural from, from our land. Yeah. I see it as our indigenous plant medicine. So, you know, if you work legally with that in Ireland, people wouldn't be flying flying down to the jungle because of the yeah. ceremonies just as powerful with psilocybin containing magic mushrooms in Ireland. And, and hopefully someday it'll happen. Um, as these things are more legitimized for mental health and well-being 
So, yeah, it's, we're, in, we're, in a, we're in that kind of space as well, like I was saying with the drugs. Stuff isn't regulated. There's, you know, uh, there's kind of the courses for psychedelic therapy, uh, for working with psychedelics are only starting now. Some places around the world are um, only starting to create programs around it. Um, and yeah, for us as well at Inwardbound, we're putting together a facilitator training program too, kind of an introduction to working with psychedelics. And um, so, you know, if anybody is interested in that, do drop me a line. Um, so we're trying to create like the whole community is trying to create uh, ethics around it, creating uh, psychedelic associations such as the Guild of Guides, uh, so that you know there are community standards. There's def there's procedures and protocols for who we can take for working with people who have challenging experiences so really trying to create a framework for uh, working with these things ethically with integrity with safety with caution with respect uh, so that's all only starting which is really wonderful yeah that's amazing um i suppose coming off a, a part that you just touched on there about psilocybin um I'm kind of like, I'm one-on-one whenever it comes to like psychedelics. Um, I obviously know like all the, uh, like all the different like sort of stuff you can take, like mushrooms and shit like that there. And like you said, cacao beans. And um, <clears throat> I actually had a hard time spelling ayahuasca on Google. And um, you don't want to see what I fucking typed in. <laughs> um, so like with, what's kind of like the difference between ayahuasca and uh, psilocybin like if you could break it down in sort of layman's terms so could you just repeat that again sorry um how for like people like me like beginners um and sort of uh just like break it down into layman terms what what's the difference between ayahuasca and psilocybin it's a very very common question so um <clears throat> both both um you know psilocybin and the chemical components in ayahuasca are part of the tryptamine family of uh, psychedelics and you know different there's different families of psychedelics you have uh, phentalamines uh, you have the ergolines such as lsd and there's like lots of different different classes you know and um, and with ayahuasca, ayahuasca isn't just one plant, it's a brew, it's a, uh, people call it like a psychedelic tea almost. Uh, so you have, uh, you have different plants in there depending on where you're taking and with, with which tribe. Um, basically with, uh, with ayahuasca, there is um, DMT in there. So uh, DMT is a dimethyltryptamine, so it's part of the tryptamine family. Um, and uh, there's also a MAOI. So an MAOI is a monoamine oxidized inhibitor. So what this does is it, um, when these two are ingested, the MAOI stops the enzyme from breaking down um, the, the, the DMT that's ingested. So you have a very, very, very strong experience uh, and a very long experience. So, you know, a, a psilocybin trip can be anywhere between three to seven hours on average, where an ayahuasca can be is more 10 plus hours, you know, Fuck. Um, and the intensity can be, uh, the intensity can be a, a lot stronger uh, for the amount. So with ayahuasca, you're taking a very small amount, like a shot 
uh, and that's enough to give you that massive psychedelic experience. Now with psilocybin, if you eat a lot of psilocybin mushrooms, you can get a you know very similar experience. And if you mix psilocybin with an MAOI, such as maybe Syrian rue, you can get a very very strong experience. Um, uh, people have the name psilocasca, so it's um, so that's kind of like the main difference is that you're taking uh, another compound that stops uh, the the enzyme that breaks down DMT from. Uh, from, from from working so uh, that's the kind of difference uh, on a more physiological level as well ayahuasca can be very disgusting on the stomach so you can get sick a lot where with uh, it's called purging and it seems a really good thing but it can be quite intense you know when you're um you know people report you know getting sick and having it all out the other end as well in this complete psychedelic <laughs> space uh, where with psilocybin, you know, you can just kind of get nausea and it's very rare that people will get, will, will get sick. So it can be a little bit more of a pleasant experience working with psilocybin. And um, so that's the kind of main difference differences. Ayahuasca, you know, it has uh, long lineages of people who have worked with it. Uh, so there is traditions around it. There is uh, the Santa Daime religion around it. You know, there's uh, more, there's like, you know, more of a, way it's done where psilocybin a lot of that knowledge has been lost and we're kind of looking to different cultures to kind of piece it back together and create some sort of ceremony or ritual around it and then with with us at Inrebound we're also looking at the psychological models and we're blending the kind of psychological models with the ceremonial models and coming up we have come up with a, a framework uh, to work with psilocybin that we find works really well with uh, people on our retreats amazing and um, that's not what i didn't know so that's great that you that you told me that so would you kind of say like psilocybin would probably be sort of get yourself like for a beginner get used to that first before you would dive into ayahuasca oh yeah absolutely i think you know psilocybin is a, is a, a a wonderful kind of introduction because with ayahuasca it can be very very strong experience yeah. where with with um, psilocybin you know you can take smaller dose and of course, with ayahuasca, you can take a smaller dose too. But I think with psilocybin, um, you know, a lot of people report it's a lot more manageable. The mental headspace, the altered state of consciousness, the bodily sensations, the feelings, the psychedelic trip is is, is more manageable than a, a full blown ayahuasca sort of um, experience. And yeah. so that, that's that's kind of like the general general thing that we support. And and yeah, I suppose just depending on you, some people love ayahuasca, some people hate mushrooms, people love mushrooms, some people hate ayahuasca. So, you know, it depends. It really depends uh, on, on you. But, you know, from a from a, a more physiological, practical point, psilocybin mushrooms are easier to work with as well because, you know, you can grow them, you can pick them in the winter, you don't have to fly to the jungle to do it. And, and yeah, just a little, a little bit easier to, to navigate amazing and i suppose i'll share the story with you i've actually had like an uh i've had like a ceremony one time Um, it, it wasn't like anything like psychedelic or anything like that but um me and my partner went to fiji and i just find it fascinating that different cultures around the world um without no connection to each other because like this year um we went to a small island um in, on fiji and it was a, a village and they uh had kava have you heard of kava before Yes. Yeah, 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 uh, kava, kava, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and that's the thing, there's, you know, people, when people 
talk about ceremonies, it's not just plant medicine ceremonies. Um, there's also, you know, fire ceremonies, uh, breathwork ceremonies. Um, and there's, 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 you know, there's so many different types of ceremony. And like, if you ask yourself, what really is a ceremony? It's like, you know, coming together with a common, yeah. uh, c- common sort of goal or community or sense or wanting to celebrate or experience something and and Kava Kava was really for that it was about bringing people together uh, more of a social aspect uh, yeah. you know Kava Kava it, uh, works on the the GABA receptor system so it's similar to kind of alcohol it gives you this kind of feel good feeling yeah because that's that's what I was going to say to you like these, these guys were like uh, it was kind of like whenever it first came by it was for like the village elders like the leaders and then they like pass it down to everyone afterwards but whenever we came into the village um, there had to be like uh, like a captain sort of leader and then you had like a vice captain and then I got chose to be the vice captain we had to like go into this small hut and talk to the leader of the tribe and uh, the guy was like doing like all this just like I don't know he was doing like some sort of like uh, ritual and then like, it kind of looked like they blessed like the kava and they handed the bowl like they all like took a drink from the bowl and then it came to me and like everyone was like that like clapping in the background i was like holy fuck what the hell's going on <laughs> i just looked down at this like bowl and there was like muddy water and i was like what the fuck is this but i was just like fuck it so i like drank it all and then afterwards they were like that's very tiny amount but like these guys like if they like like on a saturday night or something like that there they would drink a lot of it and like you just mentioned there it's like has the alcohol effect like they'll just get like drunk <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's 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 a really interesting one and um you know people who you know would struggle with maybe maybe uh, social anxiety who would normally use alcohol but now find themselves not using alcohol anymore and mm-hmm. don't resonate with it anymore it, it doesn't really add to them we'll, we'll maybe go and use kava so you know a lot of like parties and stuff will drink kava kava instead of alcohol um, yeah so you know it's it's natural it's uh, yeah yeah from, and it's it uh yeah it doesn't create that kind of hangover effect or doesn't like make you slur your word, words or anything it just really uh, relaxes the nervous system so yeah another interesting one from i think vanatu isn't it vanatu? Uh, so yeah i think it came from vanatu and then like uh where where we were was fiji as well but like that's what i mean like it's just it's fucking insane that like all these different cultures who like and like they had no internet there so like they don't like no one talks to each other no one knows anything but like they're all kind of similar like everyone has these different ceremonies and like that's what i find so fascinating about it um it's it is it's it's really mind-blowing um i suppose um after talking about kind of like the different aspects of like the actual like uh, psychedelics and stuff like that kind of wanted to move the conversation on to like what you actually do so like you, you do these men's circles and stuff like that. i've seen it on um instagram when you promote it and um it, it, it's kind of like would you say it's kind of like a holistic sort of retreat in a sense um yeah so the the yeah so the men's work is kind of um yeah it's kind of separate to to the psychedelic, the psychedelic work that I do in the Netherlands, but you know it's all enmeshed. It, it all comes full circle. So you know yeah. I've had men, I've had men through the men circles or the men's retreats that I run who've come to the Netherlands and and done the experiences over there. You know, um, yeah, it's kind of like the men's circles is really a space of connection. And you were talking about that lost connection book earlier. 
um, you know, and when we really connect to one another again in in this space with you know, no competition, no judgment, not trying to fix each other, uh, you know, creating creating a space where we're fully seen, heard, and accepted, a space where we feel we belong. It can create so much uh, joy, happiness, and connection to yourself and others. So you know, like like you were saying there in that place that you visited they you know had their tribe and they were all together and they sat in community you know that doesn't happen so much anymore for us it's completely fractured in the western society and that's why we don't have that sense of connection because the social fabric of community has been destroyed through individualism and capitalistic society that you know we need to all live in little box by ourselves not connect with anybody don't even know who our neighbors are we have to have one of everything so you know, communities like in places like that or here in Guatemala, they will have like one thing for four households or five households. So there's one microwave and everybody shares it. There's one blender and everybody shares it, you know, and one coffee machine and everybody meets up at the coffee, coffee machine and chats and talks and they have like community coffee breaks or cacao breaks, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I really feel so passionate about this work because I've had so many men come through it and I'm now in the fourth year of doing this I've done you know probably wow. over 200 300 hours of, of sitting in circle with people and <laughs> um, have had you know over 500 600 guys through this and some people dip in you know once and then I never see them again and that's okay some people are very regular some people come in once a month or once every two or three months um and yeah it's a it's, it's a space for allowing you to explore yourself explore these different topics with like-minded people and um, so i really find a big part of this work and it was in my experience is that i started to have these profound shifts in who i was what i valued my personality what i loved what i liked what i was interested in and i started to lose a lot of my old friends uh, mm. just because you know our interests changed so and they don't get it i think it, yeah, they don't get it. Yeah, simply they don't get it. They don't get the, the personal development, the spiritual work or the self-betterment work or, uh, you know, connecting to these altered states of consciousness. And a lot of people feel isolated and alone. They think, oh, I'm the only person that feels like this and none of my friends get me. And I find it really challenging to be around my family and my friends and I'm triggered a lot. And um, and then they, people come to this, these spaces that we hold and they're like, oh, my God, I can't believe everyone else feels the same as me. And they feel like they're understood and they they have a sense of belonging and uh, acceptance and they can explore themselves and explore the different topics that we do and they're also a space to share and find supporting community you know if, if you're having a really challenging time everybody will be there to listen to you and support you and then after they will you know maybe offer you any advice if you're looking for it or guidance or recommendations of books to read or therapists or podcasts to go to you know the spaces can be very, very, very therapeutic, you know, but they're not a substitute for therapy. So a lot of people will maybe be on a therapeutic journey as well, working with somebody one-to-one or doing all these healing modalities. And then this is a space to drop in and connect and yeah. also to explore explore all these topics. So like I said, I had a circle last week on sexuality and all the guys in that, that uh, circle were like, oh my God, I could never, ever have this conversation with <laughs> old friends or you know we don't hear of this conversation in ireland and that's what i love i love being at the edge of life of uh, in the uncomfortable zone let's talk about things that are taboo yeah let's talk about things that we don't talk about let's uh, try and help each other and uh, support one another so 
you know, this is kind of uh, this space, um, and we do lots of other kind of more holistic things in it as well, you know, um, especially on the men's retreats where we weave in a lot of the different modalities that we've trained in and experienced ourselves on our own healing journey to help people to, you know, connect to themselves, uh, connect to others, to go deep, to release, and mm-hmm. to find awareness, calmness, peace in meditation or breath work or drum journeys or connect to the shamanic side of of the world so uh, yeah really amazing spaces to be in and really really potent and it's not until people come and go oh my god jesus i get these messages all the time people are like <laughs> that circle last night like absolutely blew my mind and i want to go on a retreat now and you know it's always really humbling to see because i feel that every time after i do a circle there's always something that i'm mirrored from other people's journeys or where they're going or what, what path they're on um, and yeah, it's, it's really, really beautiful to see. And especially with other men as well, you know, we need to support yeah. each other more, cut out all the competitive bullshit that we society has instilled into us and support one another. Um, so yeah, it, amazing. And I'd, I'd love to have you on one at some point. Yeah, definitely. I, I, 100%. I, I was going to say it to you, um, uh, for me, obviously like a beginner, um, like you said there, sorry, just before I go off, um, yeah, like I hate that there shit where like we like societies create like sort of peacocking in the way. Like everyone needs to like my dick's bigger than your dick. I can piss longer, like shit like that. Like I hate that carry on. I'd rather just be with like-minded people um and just like touch on the taboo subjects, be on the edge, like you said. Um so f- to differentiate these sort of things. So the retreat is obviously where you pack up a couple of things for a couple of weeks and you go and then the men's circle you you do that on zoom is that free or do you have to pay into it or how does it kind of work that way yeah so you know originally myself and rob uh we set up the men's circles uh, four four years ago in dublin and we used to do them once a month in dublin and they were always like sold out and and um, it takes a lot for us you know it, when we were doing it i used to you know and then yeah. you know it takes a lot of energy and time for us as well so we do charge for it we see it as an exchange of energy um but no one is ever turned away for a lack of funds i'm always firmly firmly believing you know someone can't fully afford come just drop me a message and i'll be more than happy That's to have amazing. you in so i do a sliding scale so you know it's kind of like an honor system based on what you can afford if yeah. you can afford the higher end uh you you pay that and then you're covering the guy who can't afford to come to come next week you know yeah so i think you know working on that scale is 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 really great and you know different times of your life you might you might be only paying a tenner or 15 and maybe when you're more abundant the money's flowing you can pay 25 or 30 yeah um but then for the retreats as well we do offer financial assistance so if somebody wants to come on a retreat and they're having a hard time you know we do you know not concerned with um, and we do that on a couple of people generally always first first come first served yeah. um so with the pandemic everything's gone online at the moment uh, we are doing retreats now in the summer in ireland kind oh, of you know we feel like this needs to happen that um, you know people want to connect want to do some healing work and um in the last kind of uh two years or about a year since since covid we started to run retreats in ireland uh, non-psychedelic just using all the different modalities and um, that we've trained in experience for ourselves on our own journeys 
Uh, and these weekends are all about joy, connection, um, celebrating life, uh, but also leaving space for people to go deep if they want to and connect to themselves. Um, and we, we're hosting those in Sligo. So if anybody's interested, um, they're yeah, they're on they're online there. You can drop me a message. I can point you in the right direction. Uh, you know, four day four day weekend retreat. Um, and they're they're all they're a beautiful space. Well, bringing lots of like minded people together um, to connect and who are interested in similar things. So it's really amazing. Uh, really great work. I, I feel so honored to be doing the work that I I do. You know, I yeah. It's just over two and a half years ago nearly that I quit my full time job and I was really well paid as a scientist in Trinity College. And I was like, no, this is my purpose. This is my passion. I want to give back. I want to help people. I feel so so on this path of you know being able to guide people and mentor people so now fully in it you know it's brought a lot of challenges but uh, i'm really loving it oh man you can tell as well that like you're very passionate about it. i love the energy that you bring it's like rubbing off of me i want to go out for a fucking run now or something <laughs> 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 yeah. um no man it's it's been um it's been a pleasure talking to you it's starting to go dark here you probably can't even see me now <laughs> um <laughs> I could talk to you for ages. Um, I know you have the men's circle and all tonight. Um, just for people who do, like I will put the description or in, my, in the description, I'll put in like all the links and how to contact you and stuff like that. But um, for people who can't be bothered to do that and they just want to listen, um, where can people find you? Yeah, so I think, you know, it's, it's we're in a, a funny time now, all these different platforms. But for me, I think Instagram is probably the best um, at uh, Dar, D-A-O. Stewie, S-T-E-W-Y. You know, if you like the stuff that I do, I really appreciate people sharing my posts, what I talk about, or sharing circles with people they think might be interested. You know, it, it's a hard space to be in. There's so much noise out there in the world that, you know, somebody sharing something makes a really huge difference. Uh, for yeah. because then, you know, all the people on their account get to see it as well and uh, you know, pointing people in the right direction towards uh, my work if they feel it resonates that would uh, be really really great and appreciated um inwardbound.nl is a psychedelic retreat in the netherlands so that's the five-day retreat with the two high doses of psilocybin containing truffles coupled with the pre and post counseling and integration and group uh, group circles uh, online before and after and then my own personal website is uh, innerwork.ie so you can see about uh, some of the circles and retreats that i run in ireland and if people want to work one-to-one -one with me, I yeah, generally have a few stops and I work with people over a number of weeks um, for a variety of reasons. So, uh, yeah, so and then drop me an email as well. Don't be afraid to reach out. I'm always open. I always love hearing where people are at on their journeys and helping guiding people as best I can. I think we need more of it in, in Ireland, you know. Uh, we're, in, we're in a space now where... You know, we're in a we're in a bit of a, a spiritual void. You know, Catholicism yeah. has gone out the window, <laughs> yeah, and now people, people 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 are looking for an alternative. You know, with uh, different world religions and kind of practices and nature based spirituality. So I'm always interested to chat about that sort of stuff too. So amazing. Um, just one last point. Um, I kind of got confused there. So I was going to wrap it up, but. This last thing I just wanted to mention. So you said you do the retreats in Netherlands. Why are you in Guatemala now then? Are you doing research? Uh, yeah, so I'm basically out here to, yeah, I'm going to the cacao farms and looking for suppliers for cacao. 
and then mm-hmm. touching in with the, the main cosmology and some of the elders here uh, and then it's also it's it's coronavirus free here so everything's <laughs> open nobody's really wearing masks there's a static dance there's ceremonies going on so i've been taking part in lots of things um, i'm here to train to also replenish as well myself you know this work that i do with other takes a lot you know when you're holding that yeah. space for people I'm sitting with people and guiding people through really challenging spaces so I'm here to also replenish a little bit but I'm I'm coming home now in uh, uh, 10 days so oh okay you know, brilliant I'm, I'm, I'm coming back and um, uh, yeah we're running retreats all this summer and uh, yeah guiding people and that sort of thing so um, if people want to get in touch with me i'll be back in ireland now for yeah the foreseeable future and i, I feel like it's going to be a great summer we really we really need it we really need to bring back the fun the joy and the connection yeah and um, i was going to say so our, our next retreat uh in sligo is available in um in july so we just launched that the other day the other day and if they use your name uh, nathan uh, langton that they get five percent off so oh brilliant um, yeah so use your name in the discount code and they get five percent off amazing i'll definitely be putting on the description and um, listen dar thank you so much for doing this and um, i will definitely have you on back again and i'll make sure to have loads of tough questions for you and um, oh, yeah. I, I think we've done all right <laughs> i think we've done all right today and um, i'll try and like throw some more clockwork elf shit at you and see how you can, <laughs> uh, what you can come up with and <laughs> um, yeah listen thanks very much for doing this man yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. It's great to spread spread this message and to you know, ultimately try and raise the stigma and help pe- educate people on you know, the benefits of psychedelics. Uh, and yeah, really passionate about this work. So uh, really appreciate you for on. Uh, absolute pleasure.